Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we are delving into the darkest depths of L for Paul Verhoeven's new film. And joining me are Daniela Verrick-Tanidi. Hello. And Jenna Hobbs. Hiya. And I'm Jake Cunningham. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. And so this film, uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven, who you may know from Showgirls and Basic Instinct and Robocop and Total Recall... Uh, is a return to his uh, art house roots uh, before Hollywood swept him up in the uh, late 80s. He was well known for his Dutch kind of uh, indie art house films, which he's then reverted back to at this later end of his career, L being a uh, silver-haired highlight for him anyway. um, So I wanted to ask you guys to begin the conversation, which which art house indie directors would you like to see reverse that role and uh, in their careers go to Hollywood later on okay so I had a long think about this and I've decided upon a director I'm going to go for Gaspar Noé and um, now now I was thinking about love in 3D which is I've seen now Mm -hmm. and um, it's quite graphic it is and then I was thinking about a well-known franchise that's also oh. not graphic enough, some might say. <laughs> Gaspar Noé, Fifty Shades, the final chapter. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Thank you. I like I mean, that. I found, not to share that I'm the, I'm the biggest Fifty Shades person out there, <laughs> um, but I think the issue with Fifty Shades for people that actually want erotic cinema, it's it never really gets there, does no, it? It's it kind of just it's a bit kind of sultry and a bit starey, but and never really steamy. gets steamy. Yeah, but it's not love three D. Yeah, but my issue with love three D is that by the end of it, you're a bit sick of it. Yeah, I don't know how many more sex scenes I can take. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got that you know core storyline from Fifty Shades that people love that yeah. Gaspar Noé can turn his hand to. And I think we have a hundred percent chance. In uh, Gaspar Noé already enjoying Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm sure he loves it. Or hates it. Oh, definitely he hates it. <laughs> or thinks he could do a better job. Oh, I yeah. bet. He could. And I'm sure he would just say that I've already done that. I've done it. But I mean, we can all agree that the storyline in Love 3D is maybe not its strongest. It's not uh, its strongest quality. selling point. Yeah, but maybe that's true of. 
Fifty Shades of Grey as well. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey has a story that stole nations. <laughs> People care about Anna and Mr. Grey. Jamie Dornan. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Gaspar Noe's Fifty Shades. That yeah. sounds great. Although, annoyingly, they've already shot the last one. Oh, so, no. But you know she wrote the, the prequel. Oh, from the Grey perspective. Yeah. Yes. Okay, that's where Gaspar Noe Gaspar can Noe's shine. Grey, mm-hmm. 3D. 3D, which is important, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and if, if we can get Jamie Dornan back and doing all the things that happen in Gaspar Noe films mm-hmm. I'm sure the audiences would turn out for sure exactly and I think Jamie Dornan could afford to go more art house oh, I think he needs to I make some I think he'd love to I mean Anthropoid was meant to be great mm. um, but no one really saw that and he's got a film on Netflix The Siege of Jadotsville which kind of came and went and no one really saw mm. but I noticed it uh, the other day and because I, I think underneath all the stuff when you look at the fool he's a good actor he is yeah he could be really good maybe he needs to do maybe i think it would be easy for him but he could easily do a superhero thing and that would yeah that would shift all the 50 shade stuff i think it's time for him yes i think so too i like him. yeah um danny i'm gonna go for andrea arnold um and i would like her to do a superhero film um, with Jamie Dornan? Maybe. <laughs> um, just because I, I'm a big fan of superhero films, but I'm, I seem to always be disappointed um, with the result. And I was thinking she could do something more of like like the Misfits, you know, the TV series. Oh, yeah. Mm. So it's a bit more like gritty and based around characters rather than the superhero yeah, powers. I think I mean you had some sense of that with Josh Trank's Chronicle as mm. well, but that was that had the gimmick of being a handheld thing as mm. well, which I wouldn't imagine Andrew Arnold doing. But I really like the idea of looking at superheroes through the characters rather than their actions. Really. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah, and also you'd have her four by three aspect ratio exactly, which would be really cool <laughs> to see. That, I think that's. That's what I'd want to see. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would be wicked. Particularly because obviously superheroes are very much a big part of American culture as well. Yeah. After American Honey, I could I'd almost like to see a big superhero film, but just with all the settings of American Honey, just keeping <laughs> in all of those places. Yeah, and keeping Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> You can't lose Shire. No. Excellent. Um, yeah, so actually, I got the, the thing that got me thinking, I thought we might t- touch on superheroes there because of Logan. Yeah. I think Logan is... James Mangold directed Walk the Line a long time ago now, but it almost feels like he's gone back. Uh, he's stripped back a lot of stuff. He did Night and Day and The Wolverine, which I think, from judging from interviews that I've heard with him, was he... With Logan, he was getting sick of the intervention of big studios and distributors just telling him what to do, and he only agreed to do Logan if he could do it how they wanted to do it. And it is a very different superhero film, and I think that is someone who's done a almost Verhoeven-esque arc of smaller mm-hmm. thing, smaller thing, got into the studio stuff, and then got sick of the studio stuff, and have somehow made an art house big film as well. And it's, it's I'm not saying Logan's an art house film, but it there's still stuff in there that makes it a lot different to a Mm -hmm. lot of Hollywood stuff Um, for myself I was thinking originally Lars von Trier but then he did his twist on horror with Antichrist and a twist on the musical with Dancer in the Dark and then we had uh, Steven Soderbergh redid Tarkovsky's Solaris which gendered our podcast on uh, with Clooney yes but ultimately I think I'm going to go for David Lynch so uh, Lynch did 
Dune, which was a big blockbuster, but was horrible. And the film that I was thinking of that made me think he could do something different was um, The Straight Story, which I don't know if you two have seen. Um, but that's a very non-Lynchy Lynch film. Uh, so it's no Blue Velvet or Mulholland Drive where it's, also, it's freaky and it's weird and it's horrible, um, but compulsive. This is just a story about a guy... Uh, who finds out his brother's dying and he can't drive, so he drives his lawnmower across the country to go and find him. And it's really, really lovely, and it's really human, and it's quite quiet, and it's slow, and it's really not a David Lynch film. Mm. Um, But I thought of the... um, At the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, we see the Incredible Hulk fly off planet Earth, and we don't know where he's gone. And... uh, there's a Marvel storyline called Planet Hulk, where after that he actually goes to his own planet. And I thought I'd like to see a, a David Lynch Planet Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, but just kind of, he's just there, and there's lots of isolation. And in it, like, it, it eventually turns in this, into this kind of gladiator plot in the comics, but I'd like to spend kind of most of the time of just having Hulk wandering. <laughs> and, and just kind of exploring and looking solemn uh, in a Lynch kind of way, but actually not making it too depressing as well, in that he's he can actually take out his anger here and there's no one to harm. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. That's um, and he's got this dilemma of, like, he's put himself... He's incarcerated himself in some way, but then ultimately realises maybe he needs human interaction to be human. That's a bit like The Little Prince. Yeah, yeah, elements of The Little Prince mm. in there, particularly just that idea of being on a planet by yeah. yourself. Um, but then, obviously, final act, gladiators. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so, uh, where are we? Who who's getting funded this week? Ooh. What do we think? I'm going to give my money to Danny. I was going to go Gaspar Noe, Fifty Shades. It's just t- too much of a perfect fit for me. I okay, think it's lovely. Yeah, I, I agree. There we are. Yes! Well done, Jenna. Oh, I'm on two now. Two points. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right. So what started all that off was uh, obviously Paul Verhoeven's uh, re- return to Art House. We had 2006's Black Book, and now we have L. And this film won the Golden Globe for Foreign Language Film. It won... Um, Isabel Upper, Best Actress at the Golden Globes as well. Uh, we didn't see uh, any of that in the Oscars, sadly. Mm. Uh, not even a nomination for foreign language film. I should actually put out a trigger warning there. This is a film uh, that deals a lot with sexual violence yeah. and rape, <clears throat> and we are going to be talking about those kind of things. Uh, and so do switch off now. That's absolutely fine. But the first scene of this film is Isabel Lopez's character, Michelle, being raped by a masked man. Mm. And the film that you're expecting after that scene is not the film that we actually come to see. Yeah, the opening is so graphic and brutal that you can only expect um, Michelle, the character, to then go on a journey of um, you know, trying to come to terms with what's happened to her and, and feeling very kind of broken by that potentially mm-hmm. but the story you get is of her resilience and strength and it yeah you just can't even imagine where it will go yeah it kept surpri- it kept surprising me like i thought it would go one way and just it wasn't going anywhere where i thought it was going to be and um it, it, i think that's the big 
great thing about the film is just it just surprises you, especially with the characters. Mm-hmm. For the first half an hour, almost she picks up her life as normal, as if it almost has never happened to her. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a there's a really excellent scene, which may be the, darkly the most one of the most comic scenes as well, because this this has been touted since its premiere at Cannes last year as uh, a rape revenge comedy which is not uh, three words that you ever expect to see next to each other. And so we see, obviously, we have this scene at the start and then Michelle kind of just doing her day-to-day life and then there's a dinner party with her friends and she says, so I think maybe I was raped. Yeah, she said she was assaulted to begin with and so it's quite unclear and then it becomes more clear to her friends that it's a sexual assault and, you know, they obviously have said to her, you know, are you calling the police? You know, what's going on? And she tries to completely brush it off as if it's no big deal at all mm. to mm. them. And has even ordered champagne. And Yeah, yeah. so she says that and then champagne comes to the table and one of her friends says, I think we might need a few more minutes. Yeah. Um, and I think that how those people feel is ultimately how the audience feel. I know that's how I felt, mm-hmm. that she said it. And for me, that was like, okay... So that did happen because it's because we've seen her ult- she's acting in a way as if it that, that nothing happened whatsoever until she says it at that moment and it's like okay so yeah that did happen and because it was almost like it's a different film yeah. for that first half hour yeah and she is she seemed to like take everything um like very responsibly like I don't know she changed the locks and she went to the doctor straight away and that you kind of you see that in the first few scenes and you see what sort of person she is at that moment like um, she she doesn't dwell on it at all and that was confusing for me because I was like she went back to her house and I'm like I wouldn't be able to feel safe yeah mm. going back to the space I'm like and just sleeping there and being okay about it and I know she she's not completely okay about it, but also she seems she she's can, a very like strong and resilient person, yeah. and almost it's like she doesn't want to give what's happened to her the power to change the way she yeah. lives her life. Yeah. yeah, and she's she's very methodical mm. about everything, and as so in the in the first act, you're kind of. You're uh, never really in the film. Do you get a full sense of who Michelle is? Mm. But it's particular. You're particularly aware of that in the first act. Because you're still trying to figure out who this person must be if they're reacting in this kind of way. And then you 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 do start to think, why isn't she ringing the police? And then we get some information that I think plays in that is key for uh, creating this character of Michelle is that her dad uh, was a serial killer. In mm-hmm. the 1970s, and he killed a, a humongous amount of people along their street. And during all of this, the photograph was taken of Michelle, kind of standing in front of the burnt bodies. Yeah, or the burnt stuff. Yeah. Um, that she was. So, and there's also kind of like. Um, she wasn't involved, but there's a public perception that she was involved in what happened. And so I think she's had to live her whole life with this kind of guilt that A, this was her father, and B, that she was incriminated in some way. Um, and, you know, she was the victim of that situation, really, that she had became the public... Fo- the, that photograph became the public face of that horrible atrocity. Yeah. That and committed. to the public, she has been viewed as someone that has 
killed tens of people. Mm. And so she's lived her, well, the majority of her life like that. So then after what happens, after the rape, I think in some way she's thinking, she's thinking maybe like this is not the worst way that she's actually been perceived in her whole life. Yeah, I think it feels very much like she's hit her capacity for grief. The way she talks about her father to her mother, the way she deals with that, is that she has no emotions left to give. She's she's done with that. Mm. Um, and I think, yes, that plays definitely into the way that she can't go speak to the police because she kind of thinks, like, all it will do is put her name back in the newspaper and this will all come up again. So it's easier for her to just try and bury it. Mm. I thought um, it was interesting, even um, her friend kind of... Um, Anna, mm-hmm. um, she kind of thought of her in the same way as everyone else did, um, because it was like that line of like, oh, you should talk to the police. Um, you're the victim this time, because um, you shouldn't yeah. think, be thinking about the previous situation. And um, Michelle was like, no, I was a victim at that time as well, because that wasn't the truth. Mm. Very, very true. And I think one of the things that we see early on because we, we we see Michelle going to the doctor as you said and refitting the locks but we never get a sense of her life beyond her house for a while and mm-hmm. her domesticity um, until we get to her workplace uh, which she founded with her friend Anna mm-hmm. yeah? and this is a job that I was not expecting her to have whatsoever <laughs> yeah. she is uh, the co-owner and founder of a video games company yeah which is amazing. It's just very cool because it's just so unexpected. Mm. Um, but that is introduced through the most horrible ogre sex scene that she is watching. And that she's orchestrating yeah. as well. And yeah. she's telling the people that it's not, it doesn't go far enough. Yeah. So like, we know what's happened in the first scene. And then she gets to work and uh, she says something along the lines of, the orgasmic convulsions mm. are not strong enough. <laughs> wow, what a line. Um, but just the fact, I, what a woman to be able to go to work and be able to separate everything like that and just say, no, this is this is my art, this is my work, this is my job, this is what I've made, and so I'm going to still make it how I think it needs to be made, regardless of what else is happening. She's very good at compartmentalising her mm. life, isn't she? And at work, you see her become... And actually, she always is very assertive. And But at work, in that moment, you see her tell this group of guys that it's not good enough and, you know, mm. they can't undermine her. And <clears throat> she really takes charge of that situation. And so then it kind of makes sense that if she's the kind of person that goes in and takes charge of this office that she is the kind of person that's going to take charge of her experiences and take charge of her life as well. Yeah, um, and because of the nature of that game and um, because of the nature of the video games world, it's, it's a male-dominant mm. office as well. Yeah. And there is uh, a, a few different male personalities in that office competing for mm, attention, affection from yeah. Michelle. And you and she's very aware of that too. And so, and she's 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 quite a slight woman as she so she, when she stands in front of all of them and has a go at them yeah. telling them that these orgasmic convulsions are not good enough <laughs> it's just it's so demeaning to them as well mm. and i think she's wonderful in those moments and she's so so good at standing up to the men in her life and just taking control of them so easily i uh, this is the most ludicrous comparison um, I remember Bane in The Dark Knight Rises 
um, someone says to him like I gave you money what else what else do you want and he just puts his arm on his shoulder and just says you think that gives you power over me just and all it is is just putting his arm out and that's <laughs> it and just, no the situation and Isabella doesn't even need that she's got eye like yeah. she just slightly widen her eyes and you know you've lost already <laughs> uh, I think she would win in a fight against Bane for sure <laughs> <laughs> she is incredible in this film yeah she's magnificent yeah and uh, chef best actress for sure for me yeah. um, uh Better, I would better than Emma Stone. Hundred percent better than Emma yeah, Stone. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, and she can sing. She just didn't need to. <laughs> uh, uh, right. So let's uh, let's take a look at the other people that are in Elle's life because we forget this is also a mystery film. Mm-hmm. We we have a masked man at the beginning, and so naturally we want to find out who that person is. And Elle is on that mission herself. There are uh, there is the ex husband. There is the uh, best friend's husband, who naturally she's having an affair with, mm. of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, a French film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is the video game designer that fancies her. There is the video games designer who doesn't like her. There is the new neighbour. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, it's it's like it's like a Cluedo thing. Yeah, I was thinking because you're given all the and you're given all these lovely little scenes, and you're thinking, yeah. It's definitely all of them. <laughs> well, you kind of think, like, there's a scene where um, Michelle has, uh, like, lunch thrown over her by mm. a member of the public because mm. she's obviously in the public eye. And part of me then just thought, maybe it is someone that just hates her for what her father's done. Maybe mm. there's a revenge in mm. that way. So yeah. it, was, it is a real mystery. You have no idea. Yeah. Um, and as I was watching it, I was one... I did think, you know what, if that scene just kind of happened at the start and then the rest of the film played out and we never actually yeah. saw who it was I wouldn't be hugely against that either um, because it is a lot of it is about Michelle not defining herself by other people's actions towards her mm-hmm. and in particularly uh, the sexual assault at the start and and that's really important not seeing the rapist could play into that but yeah. then we actually do find out and that's fine we do but also you know even the sexual assault aside and that's what kicks off the film and that kind of mystery as to who that person is drives it I think she is such an interesting character the people around her are so interesting their lives would be interesting enough to see just like before this happened or way later because it's Mm. it's just such a bizarre setup. I think the relationships that she has are really interesting Mm. seeing her interact with other people and how how she is with everyone and how I think she's kind of the most powerful in all the relationships she's having. Oh, she's the most powerful woman or person yeah. in any room she walks into. Yeah. yeah. Even her friend Anna, she, like, obviously they have the business together and everything, but you can see that she admires her as well, mm. that she kind of looks up to her And there, there, a is a, there is a scene in a, where they both share a bed yeah. for, and there is some sexual tension between yeah. them as well. And that's running through Michelle's interactions with almost any one that yeah. she has in the film and that's quite interesting actually because it's that's probably with everyone bar her son mm. and her son is the person that she has a difficult relationship with the only mm. person she has a difficult relationship with it's quite interesting to note that he's the only person that she doesn't have a sexual relationship with in yeah some way. Mm. i mean we've got to be careful here because we've got so many different characters that yeah. we need to introduce and their relationships to michelle uh, her son is a really interesting one. He's a bit of a, he's a bit of a wet flannel, really, isn't mm. he? Uh, he's the he's 
a lot of the people in this film are quite strong personalities and we get that drama through their their, their clashing and combining and I think I can imagine if she is your mother trying to perhaps deal with deal with that a lot of the time must actually be quite hard because she's so strong-willed all the time and you can see that that's either going to go one way or the other and he he's kind of collapsed under yeah. it and hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Is just uh, completely bewildered by another strong woman in his life, uh, uh, who is his. Are they? his girlfriend girlfriend yeah. yeah and who is uh pregnant and making every decision for him really mm. and you can see that Michelle isn't thrilled by this but she's and she she takes little, lovely little swipes at her as well <laughs> yeah. throughout but she's not actively trying to tear them apart or anything Yeah, I think she says on a few occasions that she can't connect with her son and her son disappoints her often by never sticking to anything. Mm. He's never kind of achieving what he could achieve and she can't understand him at all. Yeah, so I think maybe it feels like it's got to a point with her son where she thinks, well, what's the point in trying to break him up with this girl, you know? Mm. Will it last? Does anything ever last with him? But also I think kind of he needed girl like that like mm. a, a bit like her, his mother yeah. that will take charge and will because he was a bit like flaky yeah. yeah he might have reached a point in his life where he's realized that he isn't sticking to anything mm. and yeah. so actually getting someone in his life that has drive and direction mm-hmm. could sort him out a bit and perhaps Michelle is a bit more accepting of that towards the end of the film yeah Yeah. Um so I mean there's there's so many as we said so many different relationships like there's um there's a moment in the film where someone actually uh photoshops Michelle's face onto the ogre sex scene that we see earlier in the film and that becomes another layer to the mystery. Uh, it's pieced together in a way that you then think oh so whoever put the photoshop on the ogre sex scene knows about the rape because yeah. we've the film's been constructed in a way that we have the rape and then we have the ogre animation so then when we see the two combined we think oh so the person who knows about the rape is the person that put together this yeah. CG thing and also that she's been getting text messages and little things it becomes as the film goes on it becomes apparent that this uh rapist isn't going to leave her alone it wasn't a one off mm. um act he's sending her messages about uh, about her about what happened to her um and so yeah when you do see the ogre thing you think oh well then it must be someone who works in her office um mm. yeah yeah 
Yeah, and we are given these some things to throw you off, some things to draw you in of all these different people in her life. Um, and gradually, you do, I think, in the same way that Michelle doesn't initially want to think about what happened, the we do get these flashbacks to it throughout the film, which I was initially not so sure about because I thought in those first few moments it was so powerful to have it at the start of the film and we know exactly what's happened in those moments. When it started doing the flashbacks, I thought, I, I feel like I already know what happened. Mm. But we're given a bit more information about uh, about her cat and yeah. about the door that was get left, left open and who's come through and why there are broken plates on the floor. And this sets up things for later on in the film as well. And... Um, I think that that's also Michelle thinking back on it and actually thinking about it and giving it more time yeah. and accepting that it's actually happened. And these are the things that show the cracks, that she isn't just able to go, OK, that happened, that's it, it doesn't bother me at mm-hmm. all, because naturally, of course, it does. And these little flashbacks are when she's thinking about it or thinking about how she could have done things differently and, and how she didn't have to be a victim and her trying to process and understand what's happened to her. And I think it is important that we flash back, although it's every time it's really very difficult to watch. Yeah, definitely. It is. Um, and there is a there's a remarkable shot of her just in the bath. Oh, right at the beginning? Yeah. Yes. Uh, which you'll know when you see it, but that's one of the most powerful images in the mm. film, I think. Uh, with this film, because of Michelle's character and what happens mm. to her and how much how driven she is and how much it doesn't affect her there's and like just how powerful she is through the film in all of her relationships there's been a lot of discussion about this as as a feminist film whether this is pre or post or new feminist and i don't think it ever truly defines itself as any of them it's quite an objective film i think yeah i agree with you yeah i think it's um because obviously she kind of takes control of herself and the situation she's in you would have thought yeah this is a feminist situation but also it's like she's not she's not a perfect person and I think a lot of time maybe the feminist thing is being mistaken as oh women are kind of like they should be perfect or something like that yeah or the characters should be but that's not necessarily how it is it's just making a character that's interesting and that you want to see and that's they're not one way or the other yeah i think we get this picture of michelle um and although it's she's heroic she's clearly quite flawed and there Mm -hmm. are a lot of things that have happened in her life that have shaped her to become the person she is now and she's not executing things in the most healthy way but Mm. she's doing them in the best way that she feels possible exactly and what in the way that she feels is the best way for her and I think that's what the great thing about mm-hmm. it is. And then it's it's not... It's defining people by their personal choices and, and their personal actions rather than those actions in a grand, greater scheme of things about how everyone should act. Yeah, I definitely think it says this is how Michelle is dealing with this situation and this is a way you can deal with what's happened to you. But there's no... Well, you know, we all know in this situation there's no perfect way, there's no mm. right way to act. You just have to, you know, put things in place to help you get to a place of acceptance and understanding. And I think that's what she does throughout the whole film. Mm. Yeah. Jen, from obviously with with your kind of acting background was there anything like was there a moment kind of in this film where it just kind of clicked that this you're watching something great you're watching something unique i almost think it's from that um second shot 
in the bath uh, where she's there. I think she's just magnificent throughout the whole film. She holds it. She's in almost every scene, every shot. She's so compelling, so complex in everything. She just seems to be truly living that character and truly understanding what she's doing at all points mm. and where it's coming from, even before the audience understands why she's doing things. Mm. Yeah. What did you guys think? Well, I was going to say, we've talked, when I'm sure people listening to this who maybe haven't seen the film, they must be thinking it's about 10 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because like, there are so many different things that we've, oh, and her dad was a serial killer. <laughs> she's having an affair and she runs this video games company. <laughs> and uh, all of this. And you... We've said so many different things that would could be the whole plot yes. of another film. And these are all bubbling under the surface of this film. And you look at her face and you would not have a clue. And I think that's amazing to watch. Because you say that she's got to live that. And I, I'm sure as a great actress she does. And mm. she gets right into that character. And part of that character is not living it trying yeah. to live your life without having to. She and lives it in every single moment, doesn't she, mm. rather than in... She can't live in the past because the past is so damaging to her mm. and so she's always just living where she is right then and there and dealing with the situation in front of her at the time. Yeah. Be that with her mother, who's a handful, her son, who's a wet fish, <laughs> her ex-husband, her best friend, her neighbours, you know, her, her employees. Mm. She... Yeah, she somehow manages to keep cool in all these situations. Yeah, you can never tell what she's thinking, and I think yeah. that, that's amazing. Yeah. Did either of you guys, were you on the episode for Things to Come? No. no. Oh, so that's Mia Hansen's love film from last year, in which Isabel Hopper plays a lady in her later years who's struck with some kind of conflict and drama in her life and kind of has to go on some level of existential uh, crisis to figure out the what to do next and it almost feels like this film but minus the minus the rape mm. and even in her performance it's almost like watching the same thing but then with Elle you have that extra level of that did happen at the start of the yeah. film and I'm, I'm just constantly reminded of the fact that you, as you're watching this film there are scenes that are happening you think I have to, you have to keep remembering mm. what happened at the start of this thing. And that's remarkable. And uh, uh, the, the fact that her performance both hides that and shows that simultaneously, I think is superb. Yeah. I think this must be a hard film to come home from. Where, like in the time she was shooting this. Mm. You know, it's a, such a complex character that such horrible things have happened to. It's quite a dark headspace to be in, I imagine. So I don't know how she found... Mm. Well, I know it's it's struggled with um, kind of production mm. and distribution, ultimately. It, I think it was maybe shot around 2012, 2013. Oh, really? Yeah, it, I think... Um, but I know it took a while. To, I think it's a tough film to try and get funding for. Yeah. Imagine trying to... Like, we do our pitches at the start of each of these podcast episodes, and some of ours are a lot easier than trying to yeah, pitch something yeah. like this. Um, so I'm not surprised that it was something to, to try and get money for would be very I think, tough. Yeah, just seeing it written down or seeing it spoken about, you can't understand the complexities and how nuanced the film is. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah because obviously, like, like you said, everyone's calling it a rape revenge film, and I think... Or oh, that's, it's, not. it's, it's nothing not. like that. No, yeah, no. Um, and um, there are, but the, you to break it up, you get these lovely little comedy moments. And because she has this such expressive face and these lovely wide eyes, that um, 
every so often she does open them up and <laughs> she, she's got such a lovely face and uh, I just crumble every time that she just will say something and then go oh la la <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was actually uh, so I've got a I've got a badge on my jacket and uh, an I heart Isabella Pudget badge and I was uh, getting lunch the other day in a French cafe and one of the uh, an older waitress actually walked past me and she went ah I love Isabelle Aubert oh la la <laughs> <laughs> oh it was, that was lovely and just, I could just listen to her go oh la la all, all the time it's, it's so so good and um, there's I'm just reminded of a bit in the film where she leaves a restaurant and she's parked in front of her <laughs> ex-husband oh yeah and uh just purposely reverses into his car. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's fantastic. And then when she drives off and she says, oh, someone's taking your fender up or something yeah. like that. And then he's like, oh, it's really bad. She's like, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and there are those little bits littered throughout the Oh, yeah, film. like the stuff with her mother. Yeah. Her mother's um, dating a gigolo or yeah. engaged to a gigolo and she's just like despairing of her it's hilarious yeah lots of bits to keep because it, it's again the way that we've been talking about it we said like this is the most heavy depressing <laughs> film ever but again that's part of the amazing thing about this film that it's not actually like that there there are these little bits that lift you out of it and give you give you hope and optimism as well yeah um even even down to the end of it i think um because ultimately but, it's not about the rape yeah it's about her yeah that and that's I think the thing that it's trying to tell people mm -hmm. about sexual assault as well mm -hmm. uh, and it treads that line it really does yeah it does uh, and I think it's very brave to make the film like that um, but coming out of it the other side and being able to come out of it on the right side of that line is such an achievement mm -hmm. Uh, right, so we should we go into a little. There's not a huge amount of spoilery stuff on here, but there are a few third act revelations that we will touch on. Uh, so if you if you haven't had the chance, go and watch L uh, whilst you can. Uh, give us a pause now and then come back for a little discussion on the spoilers. Right. Uh, so people, what do we think? Uh, did we expect the the rapist to be who we thought it was? I was not expecting that, but. I I think it was it it was really interesting to be mm. the person that it was um her neighbor mm. um cuz um because of the whole relationship she kind of had with him which was the flirtations and her um feeling sexually attracted to him and then him being the person that actually committed the rape yeah it's what made it all the more shocking and yeah. all the more confusing for L as well as for us watching it um, mm. because like you said there had been that sexual attraction, those sexual tensions her rubbing her foot against him under the table at dinner, um, inviting him over to dinner because she fancied him, watching him with the binoculars um, I just wasn't expecting it to be him at all mm -mm. and I can understand the level of confusion she must have felt to know it was him Yeah, yeah. I thought it was in some way like a almost a triple bluff yeah. as well mm. because it's like saying oh it's going to be this guy but then you think oh no it can't be that guy because she fancies that guy so mm. it wouldn't be that guy it would be someone who we don't expect yeah oh no it is that person yeah. as well uh, and that's again part of the charm of this film that you're constantly flicking between what you're thinking about every situation uh, and it was a really lovely reveal uh, because 
I don't think ultimately I was expecting it. I think I had played into the video game. Yes, mm. I really thought it was going to be the uh, man that she asked to snoop on the others. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was... And he almost had actually a little bit of a similar look to the neighbour with mm. the dark hair and the kind of bigger lips and everything. And so I really thought it was him and I thought that's when she was having a confrontation with him in the office where she had the power. Mm. Yeah, but to find out it wasn't him, yeah. shocking. Yeah, um, and we also have uh, the fact that her mum dies Yeah. as well. Mm. So again, another thing for her to deal with. But this is, for her at this point, that's just... That's nothing, is it? Well, it, this difficult relationship she has with her mother where she actually has to say to a doctor, you know, is she just joking, though? Is this is she just faking this? And mm. the doctor's like, no, you, you can't fake a stroke and she probably is never going to wake up. And even then, when you cut to Elle in the hospital room with her, she's sort of having a go at her mother and saying, mm. like, you can't tell me what to do. Don't think I'm going to go and see my father because it's your death wish, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't even notice that her mum's having a cardiac arrest and mm. and then dies yeah and then darkly comic again the ashes yeah getting rid of the ashes is very funny yeah (laughs) and because I think is she in sunglasses at this point as well (laughs) and she looks so cool I I think I think it's in Peter Bradshaw's review that uh, he describes her in this perform- this performance as looking like she's wearing sunglasses even when she's not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very true. Cause, and then she when this moment where she's got the glasses on and she's in this lovely field and it looks like something out of things to come again actually. And then it's uh, she's got the got the uh, the urn with the ashes in. It's just like, I've had enough. And it's like windy and rainy and all the families there. It's like right. I don't care, just chucks it. Just like, <laughs> as if it. As if it's like an old can of Coke or something, just get rid of it. Uh, and like, I, don't, I don't care about littering in the field, whatever. Um, yeah, she's giving it back to the earth. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's a, that's a really great beat. And what else do we have? <clears throat> oh, sorry. And it's dad. the death of her dad, yeah. 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 Yes. How does she even begin to deal and cope with all of these things? Yeah. So this is her father, who she's not seen since he went to prison, mm. who implicated her in these terrible murders he committed, and you know altered in her life drastically. Why? That completely shaped her. Yeah. Mm. And so she is finally feels ready to see him after he's lost this appeals case to uh, for parole, and he gets notified she's coming, and then hangs himself rather than sees her. I know. How uh, do you how? even begin? Yeah, and this is, and we're almost desensitised at this point because yeah. we've seen so many yeah. terrible things happen to her that when this happens again, which could be the entire plot of another film, mm. and it's just given a handful of scenes here, I, you can't even begin to comprehend it. And she's so stoic through it as well because so much has happened by this point that yeah. you just couldn't piece together trying to deal with that it, yeah you're you're desensitised to it she's desensitised to it she's like well you know what else is going to happen to me I've been brutally raped my mother's dead and now my father's dead yeah can't, she can't take on any more grief yeah yeah and then we we get to the we get to really the end of the film and all of that has happened and she's it's come out that She's been having an affair with her friend's mm-hmm. husband. That's that's come out as well, of course. Yeah. Her son's girlfriend has had the baby. It's clearly not her son's yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, but oh, whatever. That was quite that's... a sweet moment when he kind of finally admits it's not his son, even though it's quite plainly obvious it's not his son. And he just sort of says like, "I would be a good dad." And mm-hmm. he's kind of that's all he's got to cling to. So he doesn't really care that the baby's not his. He can't yeah. lose that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so then we get this Casablanca-y ending of her and her friend uh, walking off mm. uh, after deciding, you know what, so much stuff has happened at this point, we might as well just be friends and carry on. Yeah, and move in together. Yeah, and I th- actually think it's a really sweet ending. Yeah. Uh, it's quite romantic in a way yeah. as well. Um, and I, as we touched on earlier, it's quite an optimistic, quite a hopeful ending. And you hope, for Michelle's sake, that that is a like that's a stopping point, and that there like she can put a put a stop to what she's dealt with in this these I don't know couple of months weeks. It does kind of feel like that because you know her dad has died, who was this reminder of all these bad things that happened, and she always had hanging over her that she should see him, and it was always being brought up in the newspaper. She was never allowed to forget it, and he's finally dead, so she can forget that. Of course, the, her son has killed her rapist. As oh well. yeah, her son has oh, killed yeah. a rapist, that. so that's not happening to her anymore, um, and both her and her friend have let go of their sort of ex-partners and they're gonna build a life together and be happy hopefully mm, yeah i hope so gosh <laughs> it's draining just talking about yeah. it isn't it um right we should probably maybe wrap up the l discussion there let's uh let's have a quick look at curzon home cinema and uh, see what's available on there that we think would be uh worth having a quick chat about uh the one that i'm going to recommend is I've mentioned it a few times already. Uh, things to come. Uh, Mia Hansen loves film. I think I've already done it as a Curzon Home Cinema recommendation already, but I can't resist it. It's so good. Uh, this is uh, the woman who directed Eden, the 2014 film about French house music, and this is uh, the uh, Isabelle Huppert in another starring role in another film with a cat as well. <laughs> um, which cat is worse? I, I think you'll have to figure that one out. Ooh. That's that's very good. And uh, she got the for the Golden Globes, or was it the European Film Awards? It was a joint nomination for her acting. Oh, great. So it was Things to Come and L, and they are very similar performance of that kind of stoic woman uh, just trying to plough through uh, kind of late life drama mm-hmm. and mm. uh, dealing with her mother as well. <laughs> uh, very similar mother characters, really similar. Uh, so really great double build. Uh, uh, Jen, recommendation for um, yourself? I'm going to recommend I, Daniel Blake. You've probably heard a lot about it, but it's now on Curzon Home Cinema and if you haven't seen it yet, it is well worth the watch. It's um, moving and challenging and yeah, we did a podcast on it a few weeks back, or months back now, so you can have a listen to that once you've watched it. Yeah, and actually in our European Film Awards episode, you can check out Sam's interview with uh, Paul Laverty, the writer of the mm. film. So do do try and find that if you get the chance. Daniela? Um, I'm going to recommend It's Only the End of the World by Javier de Um I really, really liked it. Um, and it's, again, a family kind of drama set in one place when the son comes back to see them after 12 years now being there it's really nice and it's all about performances and emotions and relationships yeah uh, that is a proper melting pot as well mm. it's uh, you get hot just watching it don't you yeah. horrible <laughs> um, I think we covered that a couple of weeks back but we've got Xavier Delan uh, on the podcast talking about that film so do check that out uh, we also want to just want to highlight other stuff that we've got in the cinemas at the moment that we think is worth checking out obviously post Oscars Moonlight, you've got to mm. check it out. Whilst it's, uh, it's, it's. I know in America it's tripled the amount of screens that it was playing in, which oh, is amazing. brilliant to see. Uh, so please go and watch Moonlight if you can. And I touched on Logan earlier, um, kind of talking about uh, James Mangold going back to more of an indie roots film, and it is, it's more of a western than it is a superhero film. It's the closest that we're going to get to a superhero drama as opposed to an action film. Uh, I think it's really cool. And 
I don't I don't think it's maybe as good as the Johnny Cash uh, Hurt trailer that they made beforehand, which is amazing and <laughs> is a great film in itself. Uh, it's almost as good as that, but it is it is very cool. And I think the final shot of Logan is up there with the best shots of any blockbuster of the last five or ten years. It's mm-hmm. immaculate. All right, so uh, that comes us to the end of the show. Thanks a lot for joining us. Until next time, uh, we will see you later. Say goodbye, Danny. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Jenna. See you later. And it's goodbye from me. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.